Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour! Bonjour! Hmm... Once again, my heart is filled with gratitude. So grateful to come to you, however I'm coming to you. (laughs) In my heart, I'm coming to you from this place of joining in the one mind. And, okay, I better get right to the prayer. My name is Jennifer Hadley. I love to pray. Prayer has absolutely 100% changed my thinking which has changed my life and my experience 100%, for which I am so, so grateful. And I learned to pray the science of mind way when I was studying to become a prayer practitioner at Agape. I have my ministerial license from there as well. So that was nine years from beginning to end of starting classes, pre-practitioner, practitioner, and then ministerial. And very helpful to me. And one of the greatest things about it all is it led me to A Course in Miracles. I love the teachings of Ernest Holmes, and I'm so grateful. My whole life feels like I'm just so, so grateful for A Course in Miracles. All right, let's pray. (laughs) Yes, we are grateful and thankful to place our hand on our heart. I invite you to join me. Place your hand on your heart. And let's wholeheartedly partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self and throw ourselves wide open to the truth. We're willing to let go of attachments, cravings, aversions, addictive compulsive tendencies and temptations. We're willing to see the Christ within ourselves and each other, all beings. We are grateful to let go of our attachments from the past. Our grievances fall away. They dissolve and resolve permanently back to whatever the root cause is. We're setting ourselves free and we're sharing the benefits with everyone because we are one with them. In gratitude, we allow it to fully be made manifest and so it is. So as I was making myself a cup of tea, I was contemplating how grateful I am for having found the teachings of A Course in Miracles and for the journey that I am experiencing and that I get to share with you. Oh my goodness been doing this podcast since September 2011. If you go back to the early episodes, you'll, I think my first episode was with Gary Renard. Maybe my second episode was with Ken Wapnick. I've done a a lot with Gary, with Cindy Renard, and David Hoffmeister, John Mundy, all 
Alan Cohen, so many different wonderful people. And uh, Course in Miracles teachers, comrades. (laughs) And what I am aware of in this moment is how the layers peel away. We often talk about it being like peeling the layers of an onion, and it does feel like that. And some layers really make you cry, don't they? So we're talking about cravings and temptations, which is something I know so, so much about. Maybe I'll write a book about that someday. And I've talked about how, oh, I wanted to say, if you, if you, um, somebody might be thinking, where are those old episodes with, they're not in my podcast, I can't find them. We have two podcasts, Course in Miracles, Course in Miracles Archive, soon to have a third one. Uh, because if you're on iTunes, if you're using an iTunes podcast app, they only hold 300 in a podcast. But if you go to Spotify or a different platform, uh, you can get them all in one podcast. So I've talked about how my favorite lesson is Lesson 68, Love Holds No Grievances. I've talked about how I feel like my personality, when I started out, and for most of my life until recent years, I was a grudge holder. And uh, I was talking last week with my dad It was St. Patrick's Day, and my dad is uh, a guy who always loves to bring people together, as I do, for a fun purpose, a joyous, expansive purpose. So um, he lives in a retirement community, and so he was getting people together to do readings of different kinds of material related to St. Patrick's Day in the Irish. And we uh, are uh, my father's great-grandparents came from Ireland. So my great-greats came from Ireland during the potato famine. And grudge-holding is... is uh, it's kind of like a national pastime for the Irish, the Scottish. And uh, so I feel that it's, I could say it's in my DNA. Not not necessarily, but anyway, feels like it sometimes, or it did. So I loved Lesson 68, Love Holds No Grievances. And particularly this part, uh, there's a couple of parts. The first sentence is, You who were created by love like itself can hold no grievances and know yourself. So our nature is love, teach only love, for that is what you are. So we can't hold the grievances and know our spiritual identity. And that is a fact that I 
have come to know with my whole heart that if I'm choosing to hold a grievance, I'm going to be blocking my spiritual connection, blocking my intuition. And my intuition is the most valuable tool I have. It really is. Because it's that connection with my holiness, with my Christ self. That is what my intuition is. And I use my intuition all the time now. In fact, just um, just yesterday, uh, I, I've noticed in the last, I don't know, month or two, uh, that maybe the last month that I sometimes have a little cough in the night, just a little bit. And yesterday morning, I had that little cough in the wee hours, and I thought, what is this cough about? Where does it come from? What's causing it? And that's how I often work with my intuition, is I ask these questions, and I get an intuitive answer. So the intuitive answer that I got was, it's time to wash all your bedding. So all the blankets and the pillows and everything. And so I I did. I washed it all yesterday. The duvet cover, the duvet, everything. And um, problem solved. I, I usually do that a couple of times a year. And uh, now that I have my fur babies, Bodhi and Sattva, my puppy and kitty, I, uh, I need to do it more often because they get on the bed all the time. And I have, it's too much detail, but I do have blankets on top of my comforter to, I have layers upon layers to, to um, protect my bedding from them because they go outside. Uh, but still, the um, dander and all of that, the fine hairs. So I, I, the only reason I'm telling you this is my intuition told me what the issue is. Somebody else might say, oh, I've got a cough, I need to go see a doctor. And the doctor would prescribe some medication or say, um, you know, I don't know. Um, oh, and I just, my intuition gave me another thought, which is I have a, um air purifier. And I could put an air purifier in the bedroom as well, because we spend a lot of time up there. Thank you, Spirit. Um, especially in the winter when the windows are closed. Okay. So my intuition all the time can't can't find something. Don't know though it didn't work for me a few, a few a month ago when I couldn't find my car keys for two days. Anyway, um <laughs> I was meant to stay home. I was meant to stay home and I knew that, so I relaxed into it. You see, I'm just on fire. I'm on fire. So love holds no grievances. You who were created by love, like itself, so we're made like God itself. We're endowed with God-like abilities, can hold no grievances, and know yourself. So if you'd like to be a healing, transformative presence in this world, you cannot hold grievances. This is what I proved to myself. Then, to me, this paragraph three is 
the the one that really I I just treasure. It is as sure that those who hold grievances will redefine God in their own image. So thinking that God would hold grievances, as it is certain that God created them like himself and defined them as part of him. Now, um, this last sentence is, It is as sure that those who hold grievances will suffer guilt, that unconscious guilt, as it is certain that those who forgive will find peace. And to me, the most treasured sentence in this lesson 68, it is as sure that those who hold grievances will forget who they are, as it is certain that those who forgive will remember. Would you not be willing to relinquish your grievances if you believed all this were so? Perhaps you do not think you can let your grievances go. That, however, is simply a matter of motivation. What I have come to recognize in my experience is that all I used to be such a grudge holder, such a grievance, Oh, I forgot to tell you why I brought up St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) So I was talking with my father before his St. Patrick's Day event, and he was looking for jokes to tell, because he likes to do that. He's a funny guy. And I said, Dad, don't you remember my my favorite joke of all time? And so he didn't remember it. So I said, what do you get when you cross an Irishman with a gorilla? You get a gorilla who holds a grudge. Because the dominant characteristic of the Irishman is the grudge, and the gorilla is, it's gorilla-ness. And uh, I've had the privilege, the honor, and the joy to tell that joke in both Dublin and Belfast. Belfast, when I was doing, um, in Maine, we say Belfast. In Ireland, they say Belfast. Anyway, um, yes, I, I got to tell those jokes in both of those beautiful places. And um, I love Ireland. I just, or Ireland. And... Um, Yes, North, Northern Ireland and Ireland, both. Just wonderful, wonderful people, wonderful place. I've spent a bunch of time there, and I'd go back in a heartbeat. Just need a reason. Anyway, the thing that I am so grateful that I realized is that all of the grievances that I used to walk around feeling angry all the time, things were bothering me all the time, every day, I'd get so angry over and over again throughout my days. And that was my life until... Um, maybe 15 years ago, when I really 
forgot love holds no grievances. And then I became so motivated to let go of being a grudge holder, a grievance holder, a complainer. But through my childhood, I was angry. Through my teens, I was angry. Through my 20s, my 30s, and well into my 40s, that was the dominant thing that was happening inside my experience of my life is I was angry. I was angry so much of the time. And that anger was from these grievances. These grievances were the unresolved, unhealed hurts. Now, I didn't understand that love heals all of this. I couldn't see that because I was just in the mode of being in a grudge all the time, being in a grievance all the time, complaining all the time, and I do mean all the time. So when I recognized that this was where I needed to place all of my focus, and that's when I went all in for God. I just said, I'm going all in here. I'm putting, placing all my eggs in this one love holds no grievances lesson 68 basket. Now, the next lesson, 69, is my grievances hide the light of the world in me. Well, that's a fact. That is the truth. So I couldn't see the light of the world in me, nor could anyone else. So what I realized was... All people could see of me was me being a grudge holder. Honestly, I don't think I cared that much what people thought of me. And I don't think I care that much now compared to others. But what I do care about is how I feel and how perceptive I am, how intuitive I am, how able I am to recognize the truth. So when I'm holding grievances, grudges, complaints, attack thoughts, then I cannot be awake and aware to the truth. Here's one of the aspects to it that really helped me. I realized How can I possibly be interested in the truth when my grievance, my complaint, my grudge is a story that I am making up, that life is against me, the world is against me, that things are bad and not good, that God itself is against me everywhere all the time. If I'm walking around believing that, And thinking that is true, there's no room in my awareness to hold the actual truth that sets me free. So I had to become completely dedicated to the truth, to love itself, to being love, to teaching only love, to thinking only love, was definitely the hardest thing I ever did. I've talked about that many, many times. So, but the grievances hide the light of the world in me, in my mind, in my own awareness. 
I couldn't see the light of the world in me. I was 100% convinced that I was bad, that there was something evil about me, that I was not good, definitely unlovable, definitely unworthy. I was 100% convinced of that, even as I graduated from ministerial school. After all those nine years of study, I was still completely convinced of this. And it pained me so much. I felt like I couldn't get the stink of past lives and all the years of holding grudges. And, and I, I, I was afraid, I was literally afraid, terrified even, to really step into ministry. I did not trust myself not to be one of those spiritual leaders or religious leaders that we hear about all the time who lead people down a path of destruction of their own ego. I was terrified that I might do that. And yet I yearned so much to devote myself to helping others, to awakening awareness for myself and others. This was my calling. I knew it was my calling. I have a, 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 just a super-duper passion for it. It's everything to me. And yet I was simultaneously terrified that I could somehow wound people, lead them astray, things like that. And once I began putting 100% of my devotion and attention on being loving and letting go of the judgments, the complaints, the grievances, the grudges, finally that fear about myself potentially hurting people fell away. Because I knew in my heart it was revealed. The, so my grievances hide the light of the world in me. The grievances in this lesson, he, uh, Jesus talks about the, um, grievances being like clouds. And that is my experience of them. They are like clouds. I think of them more as veils uh, from the mystical studies that I've done, but clouds is a perfectly good way to think about it, that, you know, the sun, he talks about this in many different places, that the sun is always shining, but the clouds hide the sun temporarily. And so the grievances, the grudges, the complaints hide the light of the world in us, the Christ light within us, from ourselves, not just from other people. The most important thing is it hides it from ourselves. We do not feel worthy. We do not feel lovable. We do not feel whole. We do not feel loving as long as we're holding on to these complaints and grievances and grudges. And so one of the results of all of that is the cravings the addictive, compulsive tendencies and temptations are 
a manifestation in the world of form of this grievance, grudge-holding, complaining, judging mind. Because we are attacking constantly with the grievances, the grudges, the complaints, we attack ourselves. And the cravings and the temptations are part of that attack. They're part of that dysfunctional mental pattern. And the way to heal it, and it certainly worked for me, is to commit to being loving and to release the attachments, not to cigarettes, alcohol, all of that stuff, but to the grievances, the complaints, the grudges, the false beliefs. That's how we set ourselves free. More to come. I'm getting ready to take a break, and just before I take a break, I'd like to remind you that my End My Self-Sabotage six-week challenge begins this weekend, March 25th and 26th. We've got three sessions of the beginning scheduled, and it's free. Free, March 25th and 26th. Check it out. All the details are jenniferhadley.com. If you'd like to do all six weeks with us, you can come join us. But the first week is free and the first week is powerful. For many people, it is a huge, huge help to them. So check it out at jenniferhadley.com. And come back after the break. I am going to share more about healing the cravings and the temptations understanding them is so helpful and then we've got the Holy Spirit on our side (laughs) everyone does and we're getting her done my name's Jennifer Hadley we're talking about A Course in Miracles thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles living the love, walking the talk Welcome back. My name's Jennifer Hadley. And one of the things I would like to mention is that if you are interested in prayer and learning to pray, it's so, oh, people in Masterful Living every year, they tell me one of the best things ever in the program is that they really learn to pray. And so for that reason, I have developed four modules about prayer and a prayer practitioner program. And uh, it's one of my just joys to be able to share about prayer. And so the first module starts in the middle of April, and it's called Prayer Power. And anyone can come and take these classes. You don't have to be studying to be a prayer practitioner. Anyone can come and just join us in these classes. And so it's uh, one of the um, offerings that we have throughout the year. There are four modules. You can take module one and that's it. You can take module one this year and maybe take module two next year. Maybe you took module one prayer power a few years ago and you're going to take module two now. So uh, just letting you know 
that this is one of the offerings that's coming up in April. And then in May coming up is change your life, change your, change your life, change your mind about your body, change your mind about your body. And that's going to be a five month program that we are doing. And, uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Been wishing to do that for many years. Finally, have cleared some space in my life to be able to offer that new program. Change your mind about your body coming in May. And then in, um, we've got the, uh, we've got a number of programs this year that we're offering for people who are spiritual counselors, therapists, teachers, anybody who's interested in working with clients, one-on-one, life coaches. We're doing more and more programs for folks who are involved in those kinds of things. So if you get, um, get my emails, then you'll know about that. We send out a weekly newsletter that says what all the events are that are coming up. Back to craving and temptation so the the craving and the temptation what does it come from what brings that about why do we fall into that i just suffered with craving and temptation most of my life until until I really went all in for love. And it didn't happen right away. But the more I let go of all the grievances, the grudges, and just the habits and patterns of holding on to the complaints and the judgments and the, the ne- that attack thinking, which I mostly projected outward, most people project it inward or not projected inward, they're just, it's all directed at themselves. I have many times said that I had such a low opinion of myself, I couldn't take any more, so I projected it outward. And that's the thing, whenever there's anything in the world that's bothering you, it's that if you spot it, you got it. If you spot it, you got it. And so we project these beliefs out. And we don't even know that's what we're doing. Now, in chapter 23, uh, there's a section, uh, there's the introduction. And chapter 23 is called The War Against Yourself. And uh, I'm pretty sure I did an episode about the war against yourself. So chapter 23, in the intro, Jesus talks about temptation. And paragraph 5, he says, Let us not littleness lead God's Son into temptation. So this is the... The pattern of the ego is always lack, attack, limitation, and separation. That, that's how I articulate it. Lack, attack, limitation, and separation. Uh, the person who believes they're separate from God, 
is always going to feel separate from the good, separate from the inspiration, separate from the healing, separate from the worthiness, and on and on and on. These are all the ramifications of believing in separation. Every problem that we think we have, as A Course of Miracles tells us, has already been solved because every problem that we think we have is a manifestation of our belief in separation, in lack and limitation. When we feel cut off from the source of all good, then our constant experience is lack and limitation. The more cut off and separate we feel, the more we experience lack and limitation. And we could be multimillionaires and have 10 homes and servants waiting on us hand and foot, and still we would feel depressed and deprived if we truly believe we're separate from God. And so this, there is no problem because we're not separate from God. And this sense of lack and limitation is what translates into our feeling that we are the small, selfish self that the ego thought system is all about. So the ego is not an entity that can operate on its own. It is... Empty. It is simply a thought system. It's like a software that you run on your computer. The software can't do anything until you plug it into the, we could call it the mind of the computer. The computer can then run the software and do things with it. So the ego thought system is like that. It's operating in our awareness. Because we are choosing to be identified with a separate and usually selfish self. I mean, how selfish is it, actually, to deprive the world of your magnificence, of your greatness, of your wholeness, of your joy, of your Christ-light? What could be more selfish than that? What could be more selfish than to convince yourself that you are little rather than mighty? So the power and the presence of God, which is the power and the presence of love itself, is mighty. It is all-powerful because there is no opposition. There's no opposition at all. The only opposition there can be is in our own awareness that we're choosing to believe an opposing thought. But in the realm of the infinite, there's no opposition because there's no other. Only within the illusion can we experience this sense of opposition and littleness and selfishness and problems, and illness, and all of the other ramifications of believing we're separate. Now, to me, one of the helpful realizations is to realize that 
yes, it stems from this tiny mad idea that we're bad and we're wrong for choosing to experiment with belief in separation. But we're part of God. God itself is playing around with separation as an exploration. We get to explore the deepest, darkest depths of it. And we're all like a seed planted in soil, in manure, in the darkness. We are growing to the light of our being, the Christ light of our being. And so it's just an adventure in separation and remembering our true identity. But because we're on this adventure of separation, it does not make us bad or wrong. It couldn't. It's just an exploration in thought. So if you've ever watched the movie The Matrix, right? Neo goes on adventures in the the Matrix. But it doesn't make him wrong or bad. It's just exploration. It's just exploration. That's all it is. Because it's not a real world. And in the real world, we, we don't make those kinds of choices. So, in this introduction to chapter 23, paragraph 5, Jesus is talking about the choice for littleness, that we've made this choice for littleness, to see ourselves as little rather than mighty. So he says, let us not let littleness lead God's Son into temptation. Think of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. But all temptation is born of believing we're separate. That is the ultimate temptation. And every other kind of craving and temptation is to reinforce the I'm bad, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm unlovable, I'm separate, I'm guilty. Every form of craving and temptation is just that. Every single one. Let us not let littleness lead God's Son into temptation. God's glory is beyond it, measureless and timeless as eternity. Do not let time intrude upon your sight of yourself. Do not let time intrude upon your sight of yourself, of God's Son. Leave him not frightened and alone in his temptation, but help him rise above it and perceive the light of which he is a part. So this is, I am here only to be truly helpful. So God's glory, which is our glory, which is the glory of every being on this earth, his glory is beyond temptation, measureless and timeless as eternity. Do not let time intrude upon your sight of your brother, your sister. Leave your brother, your sister, not frightened and alone in their temptation, but help them rise above it and perceive the light of which they are a part. 
your innocence will light the way to theirs. And so is your innocence protected and kept in your awareness. For who can know your brother and sister's glory and perceive the little and weak about him? Who can walk trembling in a fearful world and realize that heaven's glory shines on them? So this is the thing that Jesus says just a bazillion times in the course, that don't leave your your brothers and sisters to their own negative thinking, their own crazy thinking. Help them rise above it and perceive the light in themselves. So if, if someone sees the light in you, help them to recognize the light. It's they're seeing the light in themselves, that everyone has this light within them. And so that that's why we are on a mission from God to be truly helpful. And the greatest way we can be truly helpful is to see the light of the world in our brothers and sisters, and to recognize that the light of the world, the Christ light, is within us. You know, we think, oh, the world is uh, a horrible place and all of this, but the, the this world is lit by the Christ. This world is lit by the light of the Christ, And that is what we are. So lead us not into the temptation to think that we don't have what it takes. Lead us not into the temptation to think we're unworthy of love when love is what we are. The only reason we think we're unworthy of love is because we are judging ourselves. We are unwilling to love ourselves. It seems like ego and hubris to love ourselves. But I can honestly testify to the fact that loving myself has set me free to love others fully and completely without judgment, no matter what the heck is going on with them. People I would have hated and despised in my past experience of them, now I can love them fully and completely. I don't have to love what they do in order to love them. The temptation to not love them because we don't love what they're doing. This is the the temptation of littleness. When we believe that we are little, we have been tempted. This is the get thee behind me moment in our lives. Right? When when Jesus was tempted to think that he didn't have the ability to rise up, to lead, to shine the light of the Christ. When he was tempted to believe in littleness, he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. And when I was in ministerial school, we had classes with Rocco Erico, who was a, 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 a 
who's a Jesus a scholar, a Bible scholar, a true Bible scholar who spoke Aramaic and Hebrew and Greek and Latin. And um, he said that the authentic definition of the word that Jesus would have used in Aramaic, because he spoke in Aramaic, they wrote it down in Hebrew, he, the word would have been better translated as crazy thinking. Get the behind me crazy thinking. So for me, when my mind was so tempted to hold the grudge, to hold the grievance, to go to the thoughts of lack, attack, limitation, and separation, all day, every day, I started to say, get thee behind me, get thee behind me, get thee behind me. This is the past. I'm not interested in revisiting the past anymore. I'm not interested in being tempted by these anymore. So it's the temptation to imprison ourselves with the mind in lack and limitation separation thinking and all of the cravings that we experience the cravings for sex for food for money for power for prestige for attention the cravings that we have for uh, alcohol and cigarettes and all of that, all of those cravings come from this belief in littleness. They come from believing we are separate. So if we are trying to manage our, tempt- our temptations and cravings, if we are trying to manage those things on a physical level by denying ourselves, one of the things that I, um, when I, uh, back in the 80s, I uh, had several roommates. I had a huge apartment, four bedrooms, so I had three, four uh, roommates at a time. And one of my wonderful roommates was someone who really struggled with cravings and temptation. And so somebody might bring something like ice cream into the house or something. And my wonderful roommate was so debilitated by cravings, she would throw it away. She would get rid of it, get it out of the apartment. And people would be like, hey, that was mine. She said, uh, she would buy another one. She'd give them the money and say, just don't bring it into the house. I can't be, I can't deal with the temptation. It's too much for me. And, um, we, you know, even things like bagels and bread, and, and it was a constant battle. It is all this expression of the unconscious guilt. All of it. So if you're working at the level of form, you can see that you won't get there. You won't get to the end of it. Because you're not actually working with the cause of the temptation, the cause of the craving. We think that the cravings, so I've talked about this so many times. I quit smoking three times. The first two times were very difficult. But the third time was after I became a Course in Miracles student. 
And I think I became a smoker again just so that I could have this experience of quitting, which was one day I lit up a cigarette or was about to or something, and I realized I don't want this anymore. I'm done with it. Never had a craving, didn't have a temptation, because my mind was clear. I did not want that for myself. I saw that the cigarette was keeping the guilt alive. It was triggering the guilt so that I would feel ashamed. Spiritual students don't smoke. I was a secret smoker. I only smoked with certain people who weren't spiritual people and wouldn't judge me for it. And, ugh, ugh. So, but once I really saw my perfection, my wholeness, as I was kept in, catching glimpses of and cultivating my ability to see my perfection, my wholeness, my magnificence, and really anchoring into that, which became easier and easier when I was committed to being only loving and holding only loving thoughts. It did, at the time, feel like I was exercising demons. I kid you not. It was really intense. The, uh, it, all the, I saw, and I can certainly see now, that all those cravings and temptations were to keep the guilt alive, to keep my thoughts of myself not being good enough, not being lovable, and not be, certainly not being magnificent. It was to keep me in that ego thought system because that's what I was used to. That's what my comfort zone was and projecting it out onto other people. But the more I practiced forgiveness, the more it became untenable. And so this is the thing that Jesus tells us. Forgiveness offers us everything that we want. Forgiveness offers us the way out of hell. Forgiveness offers us the undoing of the attachment. So lesson 122, forgiveness offers everything I want. What could you want forgiveness cannot give? Do you want peace? Forgiveness offers it. Do you want happiness, a quiet mind, a certainty of purpose, and a sense of worth and beauty that transcends the world? Do you want care and safety and the warmth of sure protection always? Do you want a quietness that cannot be disturbed, a gentleness that can never be hurt, a deep abiding comfort and a rest so perfect it can never be upset? All this forgiveness offers you and more. That has been my experience. That is the truth of it. Forgiveness offers us all of that. And that is precisely why all of my programs are focused around forgiveness. And it's about forgiving ourselves for thinking we are unworthy. And all the evidence that we see in the world that seems to prove to us that we are unworthy is simply the proof that we believe it, not the proof that we are unworthy. So what I have come to witness 
is that the cycling of the cravings and the temptations, which just seem excruciating at times. I've worked with beautiful, beautiful people who were absolutely uh, convinced that they were depraved, that they were unlovable, people who were affirming that every day and their cravings, sex addiction, um, sex addiction can really be um, so intense. Food addictions, binging and purging, and alcohol addictions, um, it's, it's all healable. It's all healable. Most people are addicted, I think it's a fair word to use, addicted to thinking they're bad and wrong and not good enough. And so their cravings and temptations are a a manifestation of those beliefs. And what when people succumb to the cravings and temptations, it simply justifies their beliefs. Doesn't prove them, but in their mind it justifies them. And all of that can be undone so much more quickly than we can even imagine. And so that's why I do my End My Self-Sabotage program. And that's why the first week is free. Because I know that I've worked with so many people who were deeply ashamed, who had never told anyone about their shameful things they were doing in private. And um, every single one of them, completely, totally lovable. And being able to sit with them in love and to assist them in unwinding the root causes of the cravings and the temptations and the behaviors, rather than trying to work the level of form with behavior modification, but being able to work with them at the level of the heart, at the level of the mind. Um, The greatest honor and privilege of my life to support people in rising up out of the muck and the mire and the misery of the cravings and the temptations. Truly such blessed work. And that's why I have been training spiritual counselors since 2014, training prayer practitioners for a few years now, and doing this beautiful, beautiful healing work and seeing people shed these patterns. And then they can help others shed these patterns and these beliefs. So powerful. No matter how dark you feel you might be, it's we can remember to laugh and we can rise above. The healing can happen quickly. All the details for everything I'm offering is at jenniferhadley.com on the events page. And we have so many resources, so many resources. Come check it out. Oh my goodness, we place our hand on our heart and we are grateful and thankful to let the belief in darkness go. We're willing to see the light within. We're willing to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us to the light that is our true nature. In gratitude, we let it be. We share the benefits of all. And so it is.